What's good, everyone? This is producer Lane, just dropping in real quick before the episode starts to let you guys know you should really stick around to the end because we will be showcasing some new music from the band Ogre, a friend of the pod. And yeah, so for the next few episodes, you're going to hear their music as our outro. Um, they are on Twitter at Ogre Rain. Um, they got a show coming up in Philly on the 21st, I saw. And yeah, you can stream the music on Spotify, wherever music is streamed. They're excellent. The music bangs. So I hope you guys enjoy and enjoy the episode as well. The music in the episode. Go ahead and show them some love too. And go ahead and give them a follow. All right. Enjoy the episode. See ya. Hello, prayer warriors. It's me, Kenny. Hi, how are you? Uh, you can find me anywhere um, that you can find the username sheherzog. You can find us at Big Soy Naturals everywhere. Um, and we, um, Virgil, where can they find you? Uh, on the internet, I'm commodified mm-hmm. this everywhere that matters. And today I'm really excited to do something that not enough people are doing, which is center marginalized voices, um, pe- people on, on the outskirts of society, mm. which, which is people of, of Catholic origin. <laughs> not enough people are talking about being Catholic. You never hear anyone say that they're proud to be Catholic because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, a sh- it's a shameful thing. And, and it, is, it is also, in some ways, an oppressed identity in society. We've only had two Catholic U.S. presidents, uh, JFK, and we all know what happened to him, and Joe Biden. Yeah. <laughs> and his, his term isn't over, so yeah. who knows? Who knows how this one yeah, is going to go? The Catholic ex-identity is truly complicated. It's difficult to parse. And on Big Story um, Naturals, we're all about letting... Marginalized people speak for themselves, um, which is why I am excited to introduce the author of a really cool pink book that you should buy called Sad Sexy Catholic, um, Lauren. Oh no, you just told me how to pronounce your name and I got scared. Um, <laughs> it's too many vowels. Um, can, can, you, can you say your own yes, name? Yes, Lauren. <laughs> is actually what I'm doing. Everyone model my behavior. Thank you so you know, much. Don't, don't speak over people. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it is Lauren Badio Malisi. Uh, do you have, um, do you think, do you have places that you want people to check you out besides buying your book, which they should have done already <laughs> because I told all of them yeah. to do that online. I am motel siren on everything. And can we can we get a Big Soy Naturals discount 
on on the book where they may actually maybe what's the opposite of the, what's the opposite of a discount? What's the opposite of a discount? Can they pay ten percent oh, more an increase. and and yeah. donate to marginalized people by using the code soy ten um, mm-hmm. at cl- clashbooks.com. I'll see what I can do. Okay. Um, <laughs> listeners, I guess I try try the code out and see yeah. how that works. See if it works. We have um, a lot of questions for you, but to get to get things started, I had some questions to sort of just like, you know, get people to understand what we're working with, where we're, where we're all coming from here, learn a little bit more about you. Number one, are you Italian? Yes. Okay. Uh, number two, did, did you have a confirmation saint? And if so, who, who was it? And why? St. Rita, baby. St. Rita, uh, because she is the patron saint of impossible causes. And what's funny about that is I didn't know that she's also the patron saint of, um, like, battered women, abusive relationships. And I would go on to have a million of those. And I would always go back to my girl. So it was all full circle. Well, they they let, like, they let you be a patron saint of a lot of things. And I think they add stuff to it as time goes on because St. Anthony is also the patron saint of like automobiles. There were no automobiles when he was around. Um, But he he would love a Kia Soul, a Dodge Charger. (laughs) Kendall... He would love a Ford Fiesta. Kendall did Mm -hmm. not have the honor and burden of being raised Catholic, but I I was raised Catholic. I was raised culturally Protestant. So I got to have a confirmation saint and I picked um, Saint Perpetua, who was the first woman um, martyred, she's torn apart by lions, and is also like one of the earliest um, like documented uh, like writer female writers uh, of Christianity, which I thought was cool. And um, her whole thing was that she did not want to get married, which is how a lot of them start. Um, Mm -hmm. And was like, I'm going to, I'm going to convert to Christianity and say that Jesus is my husband. Um, And then everyone was like, well, that doesn't really work for us. You can um, go back on that or get torn apart by lions and she was like, no, I'm I'm good. I'll do the lion's thing. And then she and her friend Felicity went into the lion's den holding hands. Um, and I always thought that was kind of cool. Um, but I don't know what else. I don't know what she is the patron saint of. Probably maybe not as useful as like St. Anthony, <laughs> who continues to help me find stuff. I'm like not really find my car like um, very religiously Catholic, but... When I when I lose something, then I do I immediately start praying to Saint Anthony, and sometimes it works. Yeah. Most of the time, it does. So we have one thing. Um, you can also say Rita, Rita, Rita when you need a parking space. Really? Mm-hmm. Parking spaces works every time. and abusive relationships. That is a yeah. versatile woman. Um, I know, right? <laughs> um, she has an extensive resume. <laughs> My follow-up question is that if you could pick, like, a patron saint, and they don't have to be Catholic, they don't have to be, like, a regular saint, what are you picking? I just just had to pick a saint. I've been, like, super into, like, Santa Muerte lately. Oh, no, they don't Um, have to be a saint. They can be, like, anyone. I don't. 
Oh, like and anyone. Ooh. Ooh, okay. Hmm. Damn. Why does my brain want to say Pedro Pascal? <laughs> that's valid. Yeah, that's a, that's a fine answer. Why not? Patron, yeah. Patron, patron saint of this pussy. Yeah. Um, exactly. Okay. Question, my next question is that you have in the description of your book, it says that Sad Sexy Catholic follows the journey of a young 20-something as she navigates the already difficult task of existing made even harder by trauma, body dysmorphia, a personality disorder, and leftover guilt from a religious upbringing, I think it's time to compare personality disorders. Um, And then Kendall can choose the winner. Um, Unless it's the same one and then I guess we're tied. Um, But Mm -hmm. I have BPD. I'm not sure where that ranks on the scale. Okay. A a fantastic tie. tie. Um, but, but maybe the winner can be chosen by the next question, which is North or South Jersey. Oh, North Jersey, baby. Mm. (laughs) Taylor Ham, baby. That's incorrect. This is the dialectic. It's when there are two things and those two things are North and South Jersey. We have both sides here. Does Central Jersey exist? That is a damn good question. Because I don't think it does. I think Central Jersey is North Jersey people who, for some reason, I guess because they want to be from South Jersey, are ashamed to say that they're from North Jersey. But is where is Red Bank Central Jersey? I think that's that's North to me. Okay, see, that's where Kevin Smith has his Jay and Silent Bob secret sash store, and that's mm-hmm. all I know about Central Jersey. That's it. Yeah, that the Buddy Christ is literally there. Asbury the Park and South. That's South Jersey. Everything North, North Jersey. Because we're okay. I'm claiming Bruce Springsteen, okay. but um, as you should, Bon Jovi can be for for you guys. Um, well, I guess Billy Joel is also North yeah. Jersey for us Isn't as well. That's York? a win. Well, he has he mentions Hackensack and a fuck ton of songs. Isn't there isn't there a vacation spot where he like regularly uh, drives his motorcycle through a restaurant like almost yes. every year? Crashing yes. your right vehicle now, yes. into a building is part of New Jersey culture. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess I guess I can he can be from New Jersey too. Do you have um, a favorite famous Catholic? A favorite famous Catholic. That's so interesting. I've never thought, I don't think I've ever thought about that. I don't think any of like the men or like just or artists or anyone I love has ever claimed Catholicism. <laughs> if anything, they were, they were like me and they grew up, like, like grew up forced into it. Like, I think like, um, Senses Fail. Senses Fail has like a whole bunch of like lyrics about like being an altar boy. Mm. So I'm just I'll go. I'll pick them. I'll pick good old emo. Senses Fail is my favorite Catholic. Okay. Do we have a a least favorite famous Catholic? Was Margaret Thatcher a Catholic? She's British, so I I feel like no. I think their whole thing is that they're they have a church that's where the queen is God or something. Let's see. Mar- <laughs> Margaret Thatcher religion. A member of the Church of England. Yeah, right. So that's, you know, oh, okay, okay. the queen is her oh, God. See, I, 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 work, I work with some with some Catholic British people, so I always wonder. 
They're probably yeah. they, maybe but the they Church of England best. sustains a traditional Catholic order system. Oh, um, but, that's, that's but like they are a, technically Anglican, like which I think is you know pick are one. basically Catholic <laughs> so in good. terms of like what they do, but they they don't call themselves that because the Anglican Church is, is just like the king. The king gets to be the pope instead, but it's mm-hmm. it's kind of all the same thing. Um, all right, last fast question that I have for you is: Fuck Mary, kill Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Um, let's see. I feel like, I feel like since Jesus was a shitty carpenter, right? So I feel like he probably wouldn't be good at fucking. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, I, like there's a really good kids in, kid in the, kids in the hall bit about Jesus being a shitty carpenter and Dave Foley is like holding he up. He kind of was doing a lot of other stuff at this time besides practicing his carpentry. So he maybe could have been yeah. better if he invested some time in his skills. But yeah, I just I don't know. I feel like I feel like I would marry Mary because she would be faithful she's not, and like loyal and like she's on the list. It's Jesus, God, the Holy know? Spirit. I know, but I well, know. Well, here's the but thing: I, <laughs> you kill Jesus, he comes back. You kill Jesus, he so, comes back exactly. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. So I guess I would if I had to like if I'm thinking of if I'm really thinking about like when we learn this shit in Catholic school. I guess I would marry the Holy Spirit, and I would fuck God, because that'd probably be really fun. And I would kill Jesus, but he would come back, so, like, he would just respawn, so mm-hmm. I'd have to just keep killing him, like it's, like, <laughs> Warhammer. Well, we know if he comes back more than once. True. He only comes just, back yeah, once true. in the Bible, so... I just love the idea of Jesus and Warhammer. I think that that's fucking... I love, right? I love the idea of him respawning. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, yeah, man, there's I love a, that. Yeah, like he's like the pursuer in Warhammer. Or no, is it Warhammer mm-hmm. that he's the pursuer? Hold on. The pursuer is a like spooky ass character in a video game that this bald, terrible man compared me to. Hold on, the pursuer. Oh, it's the oh, it's Dark Souls tool. To Dark Souls, mm. Dark Souls two. So Jesus is like the pursuer. He respawns. Like he just mm-hmm. shows up and he tells you you're fucked, and then he he respawns. So just bip comes right back. Yeah. Just there he is so. again. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love that actually as a concept. No, that's perfect. Okay. We're now that we're talking about video games, I've lost the I I have nothing to contribute. Virgil has an allergy I, to visual media. Have, it's very serious. They need I an epic. I have an allergy to paying for video game consoles and for learning how to play video games and also for that's playing fair. video games. I understand. Um I, I I write for Games Radar, so it's like I mean I'm the entertainment person, but I but I write for primarily a video game website, and so mm-hmm. I have to know all that shit. I'm, and I do I do. I'm yeah. an ally to the gamer community. I'm just I'm not <laughs> I'm, pers- I'm not personally of of gamer experience, but I I respect what ally. you guys go through. Um, Thank you. Thank you. So back to the safe territory of the book because. I uh-huh. um, which I I did read, um, <laughs> unlike video games that I have not played. The first thing that like as soon as I opened the book, I was like, oh, we we need to talk about the increasingly noticeable impact of uh, Fallout Boy on literature and pop <laughs> culture because. Um, <laughs> The book begins in a really cool way with a Bible quote and then also a quote from Patrick Stump, lead singer of Fall Out Boy. Um, mm-hmm. 
both both things essential texts may be one one of them more essential than the other um and as you go into the book and it has uh is it the like table of contents i was noticing that a lot of these titles are really long yep. which is uh something that we on Victoria Naturals also do, which was absolutely intended at the start because I was like, I really like Fallout Boy titles. I think that mm-hmm. that more titles should be like Fallout Boy titles. And I'm seeing more and more in in across pop culture really long titles and I think I think we have Fallout Boy to thank for that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would. I so when, when we get off the pod, I'll tell you my whole painful history with Fall Out Boy. But oh, no. um, for, the, for the purposes of, of literature, mm-hmm. yeah, Pete, Pete Wentz was my first ever like influence on my poetry. I have the last page of his like first book like tattooed on my stomach mm-hmm. on the side, um, and then I have the second to last page of it too, which is like a Morrissey lyric. So I just tell people it's a Morrissey tattoo, even though Morrissey sucks. Um, but uh, yeah, Patrick Sum's solo album, that specific song, Everybody Wants Somebody, he says uh, a young woman, or he says a young man is a bullpen looking for a grenade. A young woman will drive you places to nev- drive you places you never meant to go, but epiphany is such a cliche. Um, and uh, I love that. I just love that because it's, it's, so, it's so fucking true. And then also the heart is deceitful above all things. Like people fucking suck. But also, women are fucking. When you fuck with the defined feminine, <laughs> you find out. Yeah. Find out. Yeah. So I don't think I, it's a coincidence yeah. that Patrick Stump was also raised Catholic, right? Because like, um... <laughs> yes. they're, yeah, they're all named after biblical. All all four of them are named after biblical people. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Something else that it had me thinking about that isn't a totally fully formed thought, but as as someone of being raised Catholic and also um, being uh, of going to Warp Tour every year experience, I feel like there's actually there's some parallels between being uh, seen and being raised Catholic in that it is a it's a really distinct cultural upbringing and it is also really cool. It has a lot of really cool imagery. Has a lot of really cool yeah. songs. Is also extremely male dominated and mm-hmm. rife with uh sexual abuse and just Mm -hmm. misogyny kind of baked into the into the world of it that as as i get older um my relationship to being seen which i will be for the rest of my life it becomes more complicated um yeah Yeah. ronnie radke and Pontius pilot are very similar figures when you really think about it (laughs) yeah <laughs> um. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that um, emo. Well, I mean, it's it's no secret that like I think as we grow older, we just um, I think a lot of us just have had really impactful experiences with emo music, with mm-hmm. um, seeing with alternative music, especially like the two the two thousands and twenty tens were peak for um, mm-hmm. that specific genre. And I don't think it's a coincidence that around that time we were also dealing with, you know, post 9-11, a very extreme religious environment as well. And I mm-hmm. think having they were both like reactions of each other and yet like almost like inextricably tied um, with how 
um, many emo and like punk and scene artists were, you know, very directly responding to uh, religious dogma and they uh-huh. became like militantly atheist, but almost as a reaction to their own upbringing in a lot of ways. Yes. The, like, as you were saying that, I'm thinking of the song Golden by Fall Out Boy. Like, I saw God cry in the reflection of my enemies and all the lovers with no time for me. Like, excuse me? Yeah, <laughs> like, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And of course, a lot of us, like, being kids, like, growing up in, even if you are raised, like, more culturally in, like, a religious environment in the early 2000s and 2010s, like, you feel that, you know? Um mm-hmm that feeling of like God watching you in a lot of ways, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to like a religious school and then being raised a religiously. Like it's like that weird divide where like I'm being told to crush a flower with my hand and like see it as part of myself. Um, And that God is like watching me do bad things. Um, And yet at the same time, I'm also uh, realizing like none of this is for me Um, and there's no space for me in here. Um, Yes. Oh my. Yeah. I'm okay, yeah. Like my my dad when he got the book in the mail, he was like, you know, I just think it's interesting that you, you were technically only Catholic until you were like 16. So like, real, really, how much merit does this title Ooh, have? It's crazy Spicy. how parents like will act as though like 16 is not like such a def- like being teenagehood is like so defining. Like it's mm-hmm. all like even still you're you can be. 30 almost 30 years old and like (laughs) like me and like have people be like well you were 16 and it's like those emotions might have been heightened but they were so real and i think yeah that's like the that's why you got into emo music right is that it was like the height of like your sadness and your suffering um like just put out there for like the whole world and you were like wow like pete wentz is speaking right to me is like (laughs) How it felt. Ryan, Ryan Ross, mm-hmm. like, understands me. Yeah. Ooh. Ryan Ross gets me deep right in my soul. Like, I don't... Max, Max Bemis is speaking <laughs> to me directly right now. And they, and they all like God. I, I maintain that that's true. They were speaking directly to me. Yeah, and I was also, I also made 100% in God's image. Um, something <laughs> I think about, like, being raised... Catholic also is like the the sort of like lessons that you learn either from um, like religion classes if you went to Catholic school or even mm-hmm. just like through um, being around other religious people or going to church is like what things you pick up on and what like themes that you run with um, in terms of how you think of yourself as like a religious person or what it would mean to be good and something that I was picking up on from your poems was a theme of like um understanding catholicism as obedience or like understanding how to be or learning how to be obedient through religion and i was interested in where that um like came from for you and um i think also like the conflict that arises from wanting to be religious or like obedient to a religious doctrine but then also needing to follow your own will in the the poem said sexy Catholic, um, it starts with, I was God's favorite once. Um, but then like goes into how that changes. And so I, yeah, I was interested in your thoughts on that. Um, I feel like 
all religions to an extent have that like that that like it's it's a man it's some kind of male figure telling you that you need to be obedient in some way and um and like I like I don't know I feel like that's like been in the back of my brain since I was very very small and getting yelled at by nuns it's like oh okay so we have to be good so like the big sky man like likes us and lets us into heaven and the way my the way my dad sees it is like, well, when you go to church, when you do good things, um, uh, Saint Peter has you on a list, and so when you get to the gates, he brings up your file, <laughs> and he's like, look at all the good shit you did. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. So like, so the more I wanted to not go to church, and the more I wanted to just, the more I was just like, well, fuck, fuck this. Like, I don't really want to hang out with like kids who also like going to church because they're kind of, well, I'm bored. Um. And like I wanna, I wanna do what they're doing in the paying of the disco songs, and I wanna, I will like, start it. I think I, fe- I really feel like I don't want to entirely blame music, but like I really feel like listening to the kind of life that other people were living made me want to live a different life. So it was kind of like, well, I want to sit in a parking lot and make a teenage vow, uh, or whatever yeah. the fuck pizza, like like that kind of <laughs> stuff, <laughs> and um, you know, not knowing that he was talking about overdosing. Um, and um, I realized more and more that like like I like I tried to stay religious in high school because like I like ha- had an ex best friend who like wore a purity ring and like blah 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 and I just like and I was like well I want Alejandro to like me so like maybe I'll just keep pretending like blah 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 and then I was like I don't think I actually like any of this because like it's I don't know at some point I was kind of like I'm getting bullied I just got assaulted like. There is no God, I don't think. And I and uh, I missed Jet Lag Gemini's last live show in South Florida ever because I had to go to confirmation class. <laughs> so, like, which, which I bring up to my mom, like, once a month. I'm like, they Valid. broke up. Valid. They never released the second album. They broke up, Yvette. Um, and uh, so I feel like, I felt like, I guess, yeah, I guess music and then also, like, oh, like, all these terrible things are happening to me. Like, I'm like in my like first ever like a like abusive relationships like in high school like I'm getting men are like throwing shit at my face like that kind of so I'm like where is God where is this in the Bible and like okay where's the doctrine that says like thou shall now not throw a beer bottle at your girlfriend's face like the, the okay so I was like well fuck this um I think that was tenth grade I decided fuck this uh, I'm out. I got my confirmation, and then I was like, "I'm never going back, and you can't make me, Bob." Ha ha, ha ha. I'll get, I'll get married, not in a church, Bob. Mm. He was like, "Oh my god, no, you have to get married, church." Ha ha. Well, yeah. there's also like I don't know, learning to understand being good as being obedient versus like defining good or like you know being. Um, mm-hmm raised to like want to be good but having that mean developing a moral compass and like acting out Mm -hmm. on that and like acting with integrity are two really different things and when being good is just like being obedient then there's going to be natural conflicts that come out of that because you have your own sense of what's right or wrong that's unless I don't know unless you're you're born 100% aligned with all of the views of the Catholic Church um, then it's it's going absolutely to absolutely no issues. outside influence at all. Yeah. No yeah, emo music, 
No, <laughs> like no, nothing. No outside friends. A baby in a room that is cold with with no yeah. one else in there besides um, like one priest, one nun, and they rotate out yeah. so you can't get too used to <laughs> that them. Like really horrifying. <laughs> I'm, I'm scared now. I've got goosebumps. Um, <laughs> like, ugh. Well, I, I like. I think this related to me to the concept of sin also because the the book Mm -hmm. is dedicated uh for the sinners and not to the sinners which i thought was cool um hell yeah and i think what my dad did when he saw that (laughs) (laughs) cool Cool. um because like the the concept of sin is handled pretty differently as i understand it within like different sects of christianity like protestant christians Mm -hmm. tend to have a more like personal view of what sin is and how to address it and they have their own problems that come out of that but it's like they get to have like a personal reflection with god and like maybe a pastor is also telling them where they get to decide what's right or wrong versus like Mm -hmm. with catholics it's coming like from the top down and then you Mm -hmm. have to like abide by that um but you know most people are still ultimately guided by their own moral compass regardless. And so the result of that, I think, is like where the concept of Catholic guilt comes from is like, you're still doing what you think is right. But you also know that you've been told to do something else. And you're just like feeling this like dissonance that you have to deal with one way or another. And I guess most of them just just live, live with guilt until they're until they're done living. Um, <laughs> you just like you just like summed up my entire like life experience. Really <laughs> okay, thanks, Virgil. For, uh, <laughs> it's kind of their job. No, it's, it's not, but it's, you know, it's something I know that I'm, me better than I know myself. It's something I thought about for a while, where it's like, why you know the the process of getting to go to confession sh- should work for absolving guilt. If, you know, you're like a genuinely religious Catholic that that believes what you've been taught, but it doesn't work because you're still like dealing with the like feeling at ease with your own moral compass, even if you've gotten right now with like what the church tells you that you're supposed to do. Um, And so it was Mm -hmm. something that I really liked about reading your poems is it's sort of like the journey of breaking free from that. Thank you. Yeah, and just breaking free from that, like, cognitive dissonance that you're always feeling between the self that you should be and the self that you shouldn't. Um, You know, speaking of the self, um, (laughs) I mean, this book is really, really personal. It almost feels like I'm reading a diary, and I feel like that's kind of almost meant to be in the packaging as well. I feel like I'm, like, almost in, like, a teen girl's bedroom in a lot of ways. Um, Yeah. Yeah. it's it's so pink, which I, I fucking so love. <laughs> um, <laughs> and when you're writing these poems, it's kind of both from the perspective of someone who's going through something currently and mm-hmm. someone kind of reflecting on those memories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of wondering what the process was like in showing like really personal sides of yourself um, and balancing between like reflection and narrative, like, how does it feel to kind of lay something very bare um, in a way that like um, in, in some ways were uh, 
very like are about like your past, but also like your current self. What's funny about that is in the MFA, um, we were discouraged from 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 writing from looking at poetry that way. Like it's not supposed to be confessional. It's not supposed to be bearing your soul. Why don't you write about the mountains of West Virginia? Aren't they so beautiful? Fine oh, about the mountains. No, I'm fucking not. This place fucking sucks shit. And I mean, yeah, it's beautiful, but not where we are. Mm-hmm. And. Um, and so I was encouraged to be conventional in undergrad. I worked with um, Melissa Carroll and Erica Dawson, and um, who would very much encourage like that style. And like, then I get to like this like class full of like thirty something year olds, and they're like blah 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 the mountains and like this Ferris wheel and blah blah blah. And I'm like, I fucking hate all of you. Um, they were like, Oh, you'll grow out of writing like that. Okay. Um. Oh, okay. Ooh, it oh, gets me cool. so steamed. I, I yeah. hate this, like, gendered way that they, like, subtly talk about, like, confessional or personal work being yes. lesser. Or immature. Um, yeah, or immature. Because mm-hmm. it, it's it actually, I think, very difficult to write something that is personal and also resonates um, with other mm-hmm. people and, like, reads in a way that makes sense. Um, it's not just something that, like, anyone that is a teenager... Or that is like young can do without you know having put some like thought into it um, and and practiced it. Uh, so it's funny to to think of it as like inherently immature when it's not something okay. that just anyone can do. There was a guy, a stuffy, very stuffy man, cis man in my MFA, who said that confessional poetry is for women and queers. <laughs> Well, <laughs> and is that God, a bad thing? Well, and well, you, should have asked, you should have asked him. Queer, should have asked him to find queer, and then just like recorded Ooh, yeah. him. And oh, it's my right. favorite. No matter no matter how he answered it, I think post would have solved your problems. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh fuck! Like and I was just like, well, I'm both of those things. So that that works out perfectly. Thank you, sir. Um, but it was very much like I, I have, I know people who were in like academic situations where they had like the, they felt free and to write about whatever they wanted. And they were so everyone, they had such a great bonding experience because everyone wasn't afraid to write about like what's really in their hearts. And then I'm in there like, but I want to write about it. And they're like, but what if you decided to write a nature poem? And I'm like, no. So my really personal style I feel like has developed as like a fuck you almost like mm-hmm. where like it just made me go inward even more um like when I sit down to write a poem it's never what I want to write about like the muse starts talking and I have to follow her mm-hmm. um and um so you know there's a lot of like there's some poems in the book where I'm I'm talking to like someone specifically and I'm addressing actually there's a lot of that in there where I'm either yelling or addressing or saying things I like wish I could still say, um, like and for me, like poetry is like the easiest way to express myself. But it's also like, like oh, you must love writing it. It's like no, it's it's like I have to. I'm I just right. have to. Um, and Sassy Catholic is like a sequel to my first chapbook, which is called Final Girl, which I wrote after being assaulted in my MFA program. Um, cause it was like, okay, I'm in EMDR therapy for the first time. Never been to therapy. Let's dredge up all this shit that I should have worked on when I was 15 
and then Fantastic Cat like came out of like, okay, you did all the all the work in therapy. Now you have to live. But like once you're not thinking like oh all this horrible shit all the time, suddenly all this other stuff comes back. So then I started thinking a lot about my entire life and like also like the lingering thing in the back of my head, which is like religion and how I was brought up and how like my grandma, like bless her fucking soul, I miss her so much. She was practicing Santeria in a village in Puerto Rico. And then she saw some shit. I, my theory is that she saw someone practicing Palo Mayombe, saw some animal sacrifice and went, haha, okay, peace out. Because when she immigrated to Jersey, she converted to Catholicism. But here's the thing. Catholics are witches. She, people were coming to her house getting readings. They were getting, they were getting the mal, the, the mal de ojo cleanse from them. Like she was, she would do the egg cleanse and everything. Like she never stopped, but she called herself Catholic and she did it under the blanket of Catholicism. But every saint is viewed differently in a different religion. Like, you know, like Saint Rita is a mystic witch in like another like belief system. So it's like, so you can kind of get away with that. So I realized the older I get, the more I was kind of following her a little mm-hmm. bit. And over the pandemic, I had plenty of fucking time mm-hmm. to like sit and be like, oh, wow. I am yeah. glad it. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I like generational curses, you know? I yeah. totally understand, I guess, like, you know, writing because you feel like you have to. But I think that there's something also mm-hmm. really scary about, like, when you're putting something out there that is so personal and is also about, like, experiences that are directly, like, things that you went through that are about you. And then once it's out there, it belongs to everyone else Mm -hmm. um how do you like i don't know like how do you like work through that as you're deciding what what went into the book and what didn't um there was there are some poems that were supposed to be in final girl that ended up in sexy catholic instead like bound which is about like liking a guy who's super vanilla and has never done anything kinky before (laughs) and i I was trying remember the conversation where i was trying to explain to him like well you know like you know you were an altar boy it's kind of like that and him being like, what the fuck does that mean, Warren? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? What does it mean? Like, that makes sense to me. Um, and um, and then I wrote some new ones that kind of went in, like, last minute. But, like, I realized, like, I was like, oh, there's a theme here. There's there's the divine femi is, like, the overarching theme. But then, like, I'm also queer, and then I'm also also PTSD, and then I also BPD, and then, and then I'm also just like, like sitting there like, huh, like this is like poetry is so like when you're writing it, when you're in it, you're like this is so self indulgent. Who the fuck wants to read any of this shit? Like you feel like you're writing for yourself. Like I'm never really thinking about like the audience. So like when mm-hmm. someone goes, oh, this poem, like I loved it so much, like it really spoke to me, like it really like helped me. I'm like, oh. <laughs> like that's what makes me want to like keep going i'm like mm-hmm. really like that's what it's all about in the, the day but yeah. i mean like like i look at i look at p1s and i look at jesse Lacey's work and how ridiculously personal especially like <sighs> jesse Lacey had to had to fuck himself over a year a few years ago r.i.p but um his lyrics like brand new has i i I would argue that Jesse Lacey is, is a better songwriter than, than Pete Wentz. I think mm-hmm. he is the superior. But well, his brand, brand new lyrics are so self-indulgent. I mean, they are so 
man having a personal fucking experience in his room and he, thinking the lyrics are kind of like 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 especially like Jesus Christ like or mm. even like um probably everything on the god and devil raging inside me like everything on that album is like well I'm in my room and no one else understands me and and it's just kind of like Dude, did you know that when you put out this album that every fucking person in the world was going to go, oh, fuck, like, I can see myself in that line? Like, to me, like, that's the powerful life-saving shit that has gotten me through my entire life. Like, I go to back through the same Taking Back Sunday songs, um, the same <laughs> Taking Back Sunday album. And, like, and I, I – and so in a way, it's, like, in the back of my mind, it's, like, oh, like – yeah, I guess, like, I'm hoping that someone, like, finds a little branch to grab onto, but, like, I'm really just writing it for me because, like, if I don't get it out, I'm going to explode. Yeah. If that right. makes sense. But there was so much right. of this that I found, like, relatable in a way that was, like, I end up just, like, kind of funny also knowing from reading it how personal it is. And I was like, yeah, but this this also does speak to something that I've experienced, too. And I think that's a, it's a really difficult line to tread. Um, and it, I think it's also sometimes hard when you're making something and then knowing that other people are going to have a completely different experience with something mm-hmm. that is yours than, than you are and just like letting it be out there um, and not having really any control over what the consequences are or like what people's reception is to it. Mm-hmm that yes and yeah. it's funny because there was an author who like got i think some someone left a negative review on on their goodreads mm-hmm. and they went absolutely fucking ape shit angry about it and i got the most mild milk toast negative review like a three star it was like hit and miss Aww. but this is a sign this is a signpost that the mentally ill girls stay mentally ill <sighs> and i was like true but like i'm mad but like true yeah, <laughs> yeah. so it's like that's, i was like oh yeah you're kind of you become everybody's crazy after that okay, like, like oh yeah it's for the to, world now listen you have to go to to goodreads.com and leave a review um so that we can saturate the goodreads reviews and reviews and i'm only asking you to do one thing um one thing just one thing yeah that's all we ask um you talked before um about how like you had gone through a really big sexual trauma and Mm -hmm. coming out of that and going into emdr therapy and then into covid and the pandemic and the shutdown what's emdr therapy emdr stands for eye movement motherfucker I movement derealization. So basically, have you guys seen Get Out? Yes. Yeah. So the so the therapy that he when he when she's doing the little thing with the stirring the tea Can we and call the, it therapy? whatever and he's when, that when is he's... EMDR. <laughs> that that that's the that's the EMDR. I was thinking of that. What's that Natasha Leone Groundhog Day show? Um, oh, Russian Doll. Yeah, yeah. There's like that woman who has the flashing light thing that you're supposed to follow, yes, and that's kind that, of like that yeah. is also sort. Of, it it mm-hmm. is sort of like a form of hypnosis to get you out of your body, so you're looking at the traumatic event as if you're watching a movie from like a third party. That sounds it is horrifying, terrifying, and very okay. hard. Yeah, yeah, sounds horrifying. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard of it. It, like, I've known a couple people who've done it, and it it's not easy. Um, and in that you also learned through all of those things that like 
of like the generational curses of the sort of how your kind of place in in the history of sexual trauma both within your family and in general kind of mm-hmm. um is laid out and writing about sexual trauma it's really common for a lot of narratives um usually not written by people who have experienced it um mm-hmm. to be written in a or portrayed in a way that is titillating or sensationalized or otherwise fitting into what we would, I guess, call the male gaze. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that's completely unintentional, um, mm-hmm. it, particularly when it's written by somebody who's experienced it. You get, you know, some backlash from people who are like, well, this okay. is how, and also how I feel about it. Even when you have experienced it, it's like there's an acceptable form that writing those yeah. kinds of stories like fits into that people just like mm-hmm. naturally end up putting their own story into even when it is completely true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's hard to kind of get out of that narrative trap. And I think you do so really beautifully. I really um I really loved Oracle. I think that it um like that it it was your mother's a gift you weren't ready for was like really resonated in a lot of ways for me in particular. Um were you kind of conscious of of getting out of that narrative as you were writing it or was it kind of just instinctual that like you wanted to write you write so personally, um, inherently, I assume, like, you kind of um, almost wanted to write it how it how it felt to you. Yeah, it's funny because, like, I don't – I feel like everyone's like, oh, like, this is really intimate. And I and I remember, like, like – because I came up with, like, the kind of the description for my book. And I was just kind of like, yeah, this is really intimate. And I was – and I, get, I feel like I didn't, re- like, intentionally set out to write – such personal poems and I think when I was writing them I was like oh cool cool like good this is gonna go on Patreon and my my subscribers can like beta read it and like and and I'm like Lauren you're like sending like like your like diary porn to these people like (laughs) but like that's what that's what like my book feels like is diary porn like I didn't realize like until I think until maybe my my last interview, which was like a man who does not who's never really read poetry and him asking me some really amazing questions about my book. And I was very impressed. And I was just like, oh, cool. A man finds it personal but in like a non-misogynistic way. Like you're not misogynistic at all. Like you're actually connecting to this on like a human way. Ooh. ooh, ooh okay. It's cool when a man shows that he knows how to think. It's always interesting. Yeah, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, ooh, a man. It's like watching a dog do a backflip. It's like super <laughs> It's like, whoa, <laughs> I didn't know you could do that, like, spontaneously. I'm not even, like, at a dog show, because, like, that's just where they do it. But, like, yeah. if a dog just kind of did a backflip on a beach, I'd be like, oh, shit, like, nice. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't realize, like, how personal, I guess, until, like, there's a poem where I am speaking directly to this, like, ex-podcast producer guy who had a really shitty, fucked-up childhood um where like so his the back so i think i think the oh yeah when the court orders therapy that poem um he had told me that like his parents had left him alone in their house on a military base and after like that he'd finally been recovered by like authorities like they put him in therapy and he's like this little boy and they were like they were like they're like you know show us on the doll like where people hurt you and he just hugged the doll because he just wanted a fucking hug. Yeah. And 
And I, and, you know, I'm people have, like, I guess you could, you could interpret that I'm talking about myself, but I'm speaking to that dude directly. And it's, and it's just kind of like, but in a way, like, I could be talking about myself. Like, like, that's the cool thing about poetry is that, like, you can, like, kind of interpret whatever you want to interpret. And I feel like that poem is kind of like that really sad need for, like, to be understood and, like, seen and heard. Um, which he wasn't, which is why he's a sociopath and now as an adult. Um, but, um, and, uh, but like, like that, like, it feels, it feels weird looking back and thinking like, oh, I just plucked a very intimate moment out of someone else's life and applied it to my own life. But like, I feel like that's just kind of how the fucking world works and how like experience works. Um, in like my third book that I'm writing, I fully start the poem. So I wrote about this guy and I fully, fully wrote like the summer when I fully named the girl who he, who kissed him and where their cabin was. And in and the town and her first and last name, like I fully and I don't know how to be like Mike. Like, so I wrote a poem about you. It's the nicest poem I've ever written about a guy ever. But also, like, I name checked that girl and I name checked your cabin and I name checked your mom. Um, but it's the specifics really work for the poem and like an artistic perspective. Um, but like, this is why you don't it's take weird. writers or musicians. <laughs> Yeah, um, really, and yeah. you don't you don't want to end up in a song or in a poem. Uh, no offense, I think that that makes sense as a, as a writer, and it is also why I do recommend that no one no one makes <laughs> writers or musicians. And that or is artists, the dialectic. honestly, All, like, <laughs> let them let them deal with each other. <laughs> They'll yeah, work it out. Those yeah. crazy kids. I don't want to ever end up in a YouTube essay. Oh yeah. yeah and, well, oh yeah. Okay. Don't date. Don't date YouTubers. No. Musicians, writers, people with like uh, lots of followers on TikTok. Um, no one with a Substack. No one with a Substack. <laughs> uh, no one with like a dating and no man with a Substack podcast. I'll be, I'll be nice. Stay away from those. Mm-hmm. Probably most podcasters too. You're gonna end yeah. up like a no, no one, no bald men. Yeah, that's no bald men. Not a, not a job. No one bald. Not those ones either. Well, it uh, is kind of a job, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> it's a full time <laughs> job. <laughs> it's twenty four seven, three sixty five. It um, yeah, it's really hard, but it's not something <laughs> that I want. I want in my life. Um, <laughs> you hear that, everybody? Don't date Virgil. Um, not because they're bald, but because they're a podcaster. <laughs> they are not bald. No, but I have I have the one that's fine for now. Yeah. Okay. I, oh. My, my okay. behavior okay. might change at a later time, but... Um, I'm too busy being married to a woman, Oh, so. okay. Congratulations <laughs> on your marriage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have over here. <laughs> I have okay. to do that. I'm legally obligated to mention that once an episode. Um, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I think that um, inherently, like, the internal self becomes like really contradictory after mm-hmm. you experience like sexual trauma mm-hmm. um like you both like need and you both have needs and desires that like um are combative of each other like all mm-hmm. the time like i need to be held and i want everyone to stay the fuck away from me like i want to wear like a bodysuit like covered in spikes but i also would like everyone to give me a hug if they <laughs> make eye contact with me on the street <laughs> like yeah. like that feeling um i think is not something that people 
in the past at least have been really responsive to um, that contradictory mm-hmm. nature of being a victim of something mm-hmm. um, traumatic. And I think that you do a really good job of like relating the suffering that you had at the hands of men to the suffering that you had at the hands of like an entire cultural concept. Um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think it was, it was really, really well done. And I love that you, um, write with the intention for you. It seems, um, that you don't quite, uh, think about other people, um, in the same way. One poem that I wrote specifically for my friend Ash, who is trans and is like literally changing trans like legislature, like in West Virginia, like is trying to get all those shitty fucking laws overturned. And I had such a terrible experience there, but Ash and their partner are have made this beautiful life together in spite of in spite of living in one of the most oppressed fucking backwards ass states have made such a beautiful life so the the love poem in spite of everything is just about that like queer love that burns so fucking bright and how like they're both working to make sure every other trans person in that fucking state can have that same kind of love um, so that's for them, and I wrote that for their wedding, and so that might be the only poem in in the book that I was I really actually sat down and wrote like for someone else's love because I've never experienced that kind of love. I've never been in love, despite all mm-hmm. the love poems I write. Like I don't know what it's like to to like live with someone and go let's let's make a fucking garden in our in our front yard even though we live in fucking west virginia and the winter sucks here Mm -hmm. and the bugs suck here and everything is is moist we're gonna make this beautiful garden where everything just fucking grows and i'm was so convinced that like like their love being like so like genuine and like pure is like literally why they had fresh fruit all the fucking time Mm -hmm. um and so, that's like, nice. that's, like, the one poem I feel like that is for someone else. Because, like, I've never had that. And, like, looking at it, it was just kind of like, oh, like, okay, so that does exist. I can have that at some point. Well, and point. especially and- thematically for them to be doing it in a place that, you know, emotionally and politically is, like, considered mm-hmm. by a lot of people to be barren. Um, yeah. To be making fruit in a <laughs> and mm-hmm. flowers in a place like that, I think, mm-hmm. is really, really special. Um, for a place that like, like a lot of places in the South that people consider like a lost cause, um, or whatever, um, to be creating a life there that is Mm -hmm. that special, I think is really, really, um, important and also like thematic to the rest of the book. I think it's nice. Yeah. It's nice to have a, like one positive ass poem in there. (laughs) Someone else said to me, there's, she was like, I love that there's one happy poem in the whole book. And I was like, I was like, there's one happy poem in the whole book? Oh, well, shit. I, I think, like, well. I, I really enjoyed that one because I felt like it was, I didn't realize that that was the, like, story behind it, but it felt sort of like, um, like an answer to some of the questions that come up in the book where it's like, what, like, what can you do, I guess, when you are, like, trapped in the, in the shit vortex, um, of, like, religious trauma, like, a 
deeply misogynist world that like excuses um, and and like permisses sexual assault to happen to other people. Like how do you how do you make a life? Like how do you have something that's good? And that one kind of tells a story of like when you intentionally like transcend those rules and boundaries that didn't make sense with your internal moral compass anyway like that's when you can have something that bears fruit and I was like oh cool um I think like related to I guess um like being able to tell your own like narratives um versus like ones that come from like cultural teachings i think that something that's interesting about catholic theology is that like women are generally more prominent characters in it than you would find Mm -hmm. in um like other uh christian teachings um like you have all of the saints so i don't know how many of them are women but like a lot um and then obviously mary is like a really prominent figure too and so I think that there's a, a significant difference there in terms of like the, the cultural outcome because I think that in some ways it can help someone like see themselves in their own religion in a way that you might not be able to if all of the like mm-hmm. prominent figures um, that you have to be taught about or like admire are men, but also in another way it gives you like role models to fall short of that can be painful when you do fall short of um these like standards that you're taught to have um and i was interested if you were willing to share like what experiences you had with any um religious models of womanhood um like maybe which ones they were or like what standards you got from them um and how they made their way into the book so so Rita's whole thing is she was in an abusive marriage, but she stayed with that man until he died. And something terrible happened to him and he got his karma. And I don't love that the message of that is like, well, as long as you stay and keep getting abused, eventually boars will tear him apart limb from limb. Like, some, like something, some weird shit like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember like thinking like, why the fuck would I stay? But but then realizing when I look back on it, when I look back on like the abusive relationships I was in in, in high school, I absolutely just just stuck them out until they ended. Mm-hmm. Um, and as an adult, I'm like, oh, is the allegory that we're supposed to just like stick it out? Because like that sucks. But um, she, for some reason, like her temple in. Italy in Cassia, Italy, um, which you have to take a plane and then a train, another train to get to because it's in the middle of nowhere, is surrounded by bees that don't have stingers. The bees essentially purr. Mm-hmm. Like it's fucking weird. And it's weird that they don't have stingers because she is depicted with a thorn jutting out of her forehead, and apparently the thorn is because of Jesus' thorns. It has nothing to do with, like, a stinger. And, like, so the bees just chill there. And I just remember, like, thinking, like, okay, so, like, what is the symbolism of the bees about the stinger? I was like, I was like, I feel like this is going all back to, like, as long as we're submissive and we stick it out, we're, we'll, we'll be indicted into stainhood. And I was like, I don't really fuck with that. Yeah. I don't really know if I... You know, um, so it's it's weird, like, holding her so close and then, like, thinking, like, oh, I did what she did. 
And multiple times when I was younger, and was still going to all my little, all my little, my little confirmation classes and doing all the, and, and, you know, and letting men, like, fucking beat me up like we were in a fucking 80s teen movie and where it was, like, normalized. And, like, it's, it's weird being almost 30 and looking back on that and thinking, like, oh, I was doing what, like, the lore was saying I should do. Um, and being like, why the fuck did I do that? Yeah. Um, or, like, was it subconscious? Like... You know, but also like, when in a church do you ever do you ever get told to like stand up to like a man or like to like someone who is like above you? You know, um, I mean, what is the Catholic Church famous for? For fuck's sake! Yeah. I mean, like keeping keeping sh- terrible shit under the fucking radar. Yeah. Um. So I feel like in a way, like when you grow up in the Catholic Church, like you, it's indoctrinating you to like just never speak out about anything ever. And and you look at the allegories, and a lot of the allegories are like she did this amazing thing, but she also this the, it's okay because the man died a horrible death eventually fifty fucking years later. Right. And it's just kind of like, oh, like a lot of saint stories are like that, like a like, and it's just kind of like, oh fuck, like cool. Yeah. No, but cool, but no. Are you familiar with Saint Gianna? No. She's she's like a pretty recently canonized saint. Um I think she must have been made a saint in like the early 2000s and what you were telling me just it reminded me of I I know about Saint Gianna because the church that my parents used to go to was renamed to be the church of St. Gianna and it prompted my parents to leave the church that they went to because the story of St. Gianna is that she was uh, like an Italian woman in the like mid 1900s and I think she must have had like five or six kids and then she was pregnant for the whatever time and her doctors told her like if you do not you you medically need an abortion like this pregnancy is not viable if you do not get an abortion like you are going to die and also you are not going to be able to carry this pregnancy to term and i guess like in her in her catholic heart she was like i i will i will not do that and so then she died but the pregnancy was viable and so her like child um lived but she had to she had to die in order for that to happen and um people are allowed to make their own choices but Mm -hmm. i also think that there's a pretty horrific moral like yeah in making that choice one that like deem someone for sainthood um that that the correct choice in the situation of being told that either or that that actually like you you will die and also your like pregnancy will not um be viable is to just stick it out and trust god and see what happens and then the reward is is that you do die but i guess uh it's fine because God rewarded you by like making the pregnancy work out, and it made it made my parents so upset that they left the church. Um, you have to be on a card, yeah, <laughs> that's your reward. You get to be on a fucking laminated ass card, and they like pass it out at, like the gift shop. Yeah, yeah, and like, I like, Pokemon. Remember, my, like my parents having a conversation with me because they were like. 
that was a that was a terrible moral. I do not want you to listen to the moral of that story. Like, um, there's you know there's no right or wrong thing to do. Like, if you're pregnant, it's up to you. But also, like, if someone's telling you that the right thing to do is die, um, like, and that that is better than taking care of your own life, um, then there's something wrong there. And so there's like this continued because this this woman was. Um, Canonized. I just I just uh, checked it out to make sure that I was right. She was canonized in two thousand four. So there's just this like ongoing like history of uplifting tales of, of submission um, and also like of, of devaluing your own life mm-hmm. um, at the expense of of others. Um, Fuck. Yeah. Like I, I, I oh, <laughs> and the, the, like when I was a, a kid and my church was renamed after St. Gianna, like they told the whole story of her to everyone in the church. It was just like one of the, the masses that was held. And I think all the time about like other people that were my age or were a little bit older. Cause I was, um, kind of too young to even really understand what getting an abortion was at that time. But like people who were at the age where they were like sexually active and like maybe thinking about pregnancy or having kids, um, and were still like forming their opinions about that, what having that sort of story told, and then also what like continuously going to a church named after that kind of like that person and what that that moral is supposed to be instructing people to do like how have they fared throughout all of that because it just doesn't seem i don't know it's just all like it's a it's a really shitty um depiction of of like ideal womanhood i think i you blow my fucking mind with because i had no idea well my sister's name is gianna okay so, and I had no fucking idea. Her oldest daughter, Wikipedia says, is chillin'. She's a pediatrician. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. how recently <laughs> yeah. no, she, this woman was. She died in 1962. Like, this is a... Yeah. They, <laughs> it's, a it's a very okay. recent thing. And, and she was canonized 2004. So, like, very, very recently. And they, very. they, don't, they don't make saints that often. Think... No. If we get one a year, that's yeah. a lot. Um, so this is like someone that was like specially chosen because of how important um, higher ups in the Catholic Church decided that her story of sacrificing her life in the hope that her pregnancy would work out um, was to like be teaching the entire um, co- like congregation of Catholics worldwide. They were like, this is an important story that we want we want people to learn from. Fuck. Yeah. Just like, now I'm like, do I have to write a whole new book? Shit. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's like Catholic 2. Step up the streets. Same well, thing. Yeah, speaking they... of Catholic 2. <laughs> Are we speaking? Oh, actually, yeah. You know what? Speaking of Catholic 2, we need to zoom out from the book and talk about these new Catholic girls. They're all over. Oh, boy. Um, and... I, um, I feel like this trend has been going on now for like a year and a half, maybe like two years. It's definitely a post, post lockdown kind of thing. And it's something that I've been mulling over for a while. 
Um, and we've made fun of Catholic converts several times on the podcast because religion is both like a spiritual and a cultural identity. And there's such a significant difference between the people that were like baptized and raised Catholic and a Catholic convert, both in terms of like theological outlook and also behavior. Um, there was something that you said about how um, it doesn't, or like that your dad said that it doesn't totally count because you stopped being Catholic at 16, but it's like, it's just yeah. a cultural upbringing. So even if you're not mm-hmm. still in it, it's like just part of who you are, if that was something that you were raised in. And also because Catholic converts, they have to get up in front of everyone. They have to say the Nicene Creed from start to finish and mean it. Because it's like why you would be if you're converting, it's like because you believe in all of these things versus like baptized Catholics. Maybe some of them mean it, but also everyone just has it memorized. You kind of have to say it no matter what. But you're making the choice to say it in front of everyone. It's a completely different mindset. Um, And I, I don't know if I'm the first person to have this idea, but I was thinking about like the aesthetics of Catholicism. And how they, like it's such a rich history with a lot of imagery, and it mm-hmm. makes sense that they would be adopted and have been adopted like several times by different people throughout history to like create a unique identity or like currently to fit into a trend. I don't think that everyone that's doing it is like converting or is interested in like actually practicing the religion, and that's fair. Like Catholic imagery is kind of cool to look at sometimes, but I also feel like it's, um, I don't know, it's like a, an acceptable outlet now for, we can't, you know, white people can't really do cultural appropriation anymore without someone saying something to them about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you cannot wear a bindi to Coachella these days. It's hard for them. No more. They can't wear a headdress. Someone's going to say something to them about it. And so, like, what's left? So they sad. can culturally uh-huh. appropriate, like, other white people um, and not all religions. I think they can, they can yeah. do Catholicism, though. That one's pretty safely in the hands of, of white people. And so it feels like this, like, the, like, impulse to, like, pull from different cultures in order to make mm-hmm. yourself seem exotic or interesting the way that white people used to do with like getting their hair done in braids or uh, yeah. whatever they were to Coachella, and now it's it's like they they have to be a little bit Catholic. It's so funny because when I decided to name the book, it, the, it was like a tweet. Like, I now delete a tweet. I was like, oh, there's cat hair all over my mouth now. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much, sir. <laughs> that's, so, that's so nice of you. Thank you. Um, I remember I tweeted, I was like, I'm a, I'm a sad, sexy Catholic, I guess. And, like, my ex-mentor was like, that's a great book title. And so that that was 2019 when, like, so that was, like, before – Actually, no, I signed my contract during the pandemic, right? Because I had read it. Okay, so 2020. So before the trend started. But even up, even up until maybe like a few months ago, I didn't even know there was a trend. Um, and so I was going through TikTok the other day, and I was just like, oh, these girlies want to be witchy so bad, but they've landed at Catholicism for some fucking reason. Well, I think they're and, to be witches also because that's probably yeah. cultural appropriation the way that they do it too. Um <laughs> 
Yes. You just say stuff about about the new Catholic girls, if you would. I got yeah. accused of, by this girl who was so obsessed with me. Yeah. Okay, so she wrote this essay about me called um to called like the per, to to the personification of my insecurities or something, which is like, honey, like that's really sweet, but like I like like don't look up, don't I don't I there's I just I don't understand. But anyway, so she writes all this hateful shit about how my poetry is reductive and I wear a leather jacket, and smoke cigarettes and stuff, and which is not true. Leather jacket's true, that's not true. But the <laughs> but so she had written on her little personal Twitter about how like oh Lauren's like jumping into the Catholic trend with her book, and I was just like, the what? There's a what? I'm on, I'm on TikTok and I'm like all oh, the white girls like who are like like have Lana Del Rey albums behind them who are like you know like I'm gonna teach you today that Saint Expedite and Saint Expedite was born blah 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 and here's what you can do you can light a candle you can blah blah and I'm like you're just doing witchcraft and calling it Catholicism. Mm-hmm. You think Catholics carve their names and birthdays into candles? Because they don't. Like, uh, what are you, what are you doing? And uh, okay, you want to like, be awakened? Like, I call awakened. it Gloria because like, it's generationally handed down to me, and I feel like that's what Gladys would want. But like, I feel like she would be. She's probably laughing her ass off. Like she's drinking, you know, she's drinking coffee seats oh God right now, and she's like, she's like, what the fuck, like, is going on? Like, I don't, like, I just, I get it, because, but I'm like, honey, like, the saints are, like, are universal, like, they're not just Catholic, you don't have to claim Catholicism, because you're not claiming the other part of it, you're being what the white men used to call back in the day, cafeteria Catholics, where you get your tray, and you take what you want from the religion, and then you go on, yeah, and I'm like, that's what you guys are doing. I am familiar with the cafeteria Catholic. <laughs> like, it's so, it's wild to me. Like, cause it's just like, like, even like, I love subliminals. I love to listen to a sublim- like subliminal playlist like, while I'm sleeping because like, it actually really works. It's really just like random voices yelling informa- affirmation at you. But there are Catholic subliminals that are like on Spotify that are, that are like, listen to this sound so you can become the most holy. And I'm like, what the fuck are you people talking <laughs> Yeah, I'm like yeah, rain sounds and then like and then I'm and then it's like it's like because they're because a lot some of them are like play this to get the best grades play this I'm like okay so teenagers made this teenagers made play this to be the most holy what and then some of them are TikTok sounds with the subliminal so I'm like I'm sorry this this is a scissor song and this is I'm supposed to be listening to this. TikTokers love to do divination with like filters and subliminal messages. They love acting like the algorithm is like scrying. Like if you see this, it's a sign. Like right now, yes, yes, with the tarot cards. Oh my god, you guys, Queen of Wands. Do you know what this Mm -hmm. means? This means right now, if you're seeing this on March twenty fourth, two thousand twenty three, um. That, that guy who, oh my god, there's that guy again, that guy who really, really likes you. Like, he's thinking about you right now, babe. Oh my god, hold on, babe, babe. Oh my god, eight of pentacles, babe. And I'm sitting there like, if I was 16, I'd be all over this shit. But I'm just like, that's not really how, like, collective readings work. Because there are, there are practitioners on, like, TikTok who are actually, like, 
really like genuine for the collective. And then you have these girls who are trying to get clicks and it pisses me off. Um, Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that that's, like, what happens, I guess, when you view religion and spirituality as, like, merely, uh, mm-hmm. like, aesthetic trappings where you don't spend too much time learning about what um, is necessary, like, what, what the beliefs are, which might be, might be important for the people trying to be Catholic to, mm-hmm. to figure out before they get too deep into it. Or for, like, what's necessary to practice it or, like, what is expected of you. Um, And then that leads to, like, you know, I don't really care too much if people are culturally appropriating Catholicism. Besides (laughs) that, it it makes them lame. But, you know, that's their own business if they want to be dorks. Mm -hmm. Um, But it it does lead to, like, a, um, like, really disrespectful approach to religions that are already, like, marginalized in um the west where like everything is very christian centric and then you have people like adopting just like pieces of practices that people spend a lot of time like learning how to do and approaching it with no respect and i feel like that i was um can i ask you what like the outcomes of like people adopting like some of these Catholic aesthetics would be, I think that's, that's definitely one of them is just like a general, like lack of respect or interest for like learning about what is actually involved in. Or even um, like what's, what's closed and what's open to you, you know, um, like the difference between like a closed practice and an open practice. Um, I was like, went and grabbed my rosary beads behind me. So I got these when they smell like roses, which is insane. But they're rose scented. So when we went to when we went to Paris, scented, and we yeah. stayed in a very cute little non-touristy area that was just like you, a hop, skip, and a jump to the touristy area. We the Saint Rita like temple in Paris was next to, or was like very close to our hotel. And so I'm crying in the middle of the city because I'm like Gianna, like this is like this is a sign. This is like what the fuck. So I went in there and bought everything I fucking could, and then we went home and stuff. And, um, I, when, number one thing you learn in, in Catholic school, okay, that the nuns tell you, and they get really mad at you, is these are not necklaces. You do not wear this as a necklace. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 they okay. kind of are. They are for TikTok me. girlies are literally wearing these. Like, there, there's the one, it's one thing when you get, you get the necklace mm-hmm. and the gold chain with the rosary pendant, but, and it, like, looks it's not, they don't look like prayer beads. It looks like a chain. Okay. Girls are putting prayer beads around mm-hmm. their necks and being like, hi, today I'm going to teach you about St. About <laughs> Anthony. Was the same. And I'm just sitting here like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, Okay, listeners, you can't you can't see, yeah. but she just put it on like a choker, yeah. <laughs> which is the funniest funniest thing I've ever seen anyone do with the rosary. Only looks like Belle Delphine, um. <laughs> wearing this shit like a choker, and she and her pink hair and her huge anime boobs are telling me about Saint Anthony, and I'm like, first, you know what? I'm glad that you have found something you connect with, but also, bestie, like I like what is happening. Like the e girls are doing it now, and I'm like, and I'm just like, so like, like I'm like, you guys are so hot, and this is great, but like, 
why what what's happening and why is this happening and why are you charging a hundred fifty dollars for a fucking tarot reading but also calling yourself a catholic but also saying you'll do a hex but also saying you'll do a cord cutting spell but also saying that you'll do you'll do a a spell to open our third eyes but also there's still a little thing on your little shopify for like a catholic like cleansing what the fuck is a catholic cleansing What's your stance on people who haven't converted to Catholicism because it would take a year, you know, to like go to school and shit, um, but who wear rosaries as necklaces offering through their Depop um, the opportunity to purchase a Catholic confession from them um, <laughs> because they spoke to a priest Listeners, this one is real. time and they have, they have an idea of how Catholic confession would, would work. Contrary um, to, to what you, you hear most of the time. Do you want to do... Yeah. That's a real thing that Virgil is talking about. Like, <laughs> Do you think it's it's good? Do you think it's bad? Do you, do you want to, to buy one? Would you recommend that other people purchase Catholic confession via Depop? Should they go outside of Depop so they don't have to pay the Depop fees? Uh, what do you recommend here? Right now. So if you're going to do a cafeteria Catholic type situation, the one fucking thing you don't need is confession. I've lied during every confession I've ever done. They make <laughs> oh. a yeah. I have to, I have to disagree. I was a big fan of confession when I was a kid yeah, I because lied. I would plot out the things oh. that I was going to do wrong. Oh my God. And then I would tell them um, ahead of time and get my sins absolved so that I could then go do my sins with a clear heart because I had already atoned for them. I think maybe from a theological standpoint that might not hold up, but as as a child, it made me feel really good. I was always really excited to go to confession because I'd be like, ooh, free, free license to do bad stuff. I just, um, I'm so terrified of being a mom suddenly. Yeah, also my, yeah, my approach to Lent was a bit unorthodox, where I would give up stuff that I, oh, I always didn't want to do anymore, oh. that I thought were kind yeah. of burdens burdens to me. I gave up talking to my little brother for Lent uh, one year. I gave up doing homework for another. Um, so I, I got exempted from Lent after a couple years in a row because my, my parents were tired of dealing with my... <laughs> My, my Your schemes. Fast. Uh. <laughs> oh, shit, man. Okay, first of all, I always, like, did some kind of throwaway thing for Lang, because I'm like, I'm not giving up shit. Like, fuck that. Um, but, like, that, the, the thinking of confession that way is insane to me. Like, I never thought other people thought that. I would just thought, <laughs> like, I, I, I remember being five-year-old and telling the priest, like, oh, yeah, I touched my mommy. Stop. Wait, how are you five going to confession? Oh, well, they you do that until you're like eight. St. Francis of Assisi School in Wanakue, New fucking Jersey. In I first know grade, in first grade, they made us go to confession, like literally in the booth. Okay, hmm. not like in confirmation classes where they fucking had like a bunch of chairs in a circle, and we had to sit across from them with a divider in front of us, like makeshift. Like one of those like yeah. giant cheating dividers yeah. that they that used was, to do for was, kids. Yes. So because we didn't have one of those buildings, it was a modern church, whatever the fuck. Um, but like 
I would just like, I'd be so excited to just like lie. Like, oh yeah, I told a lie to my parents, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to be like, so like, I, Archdiocese, I did fucking anal last week because you said that it doesn't count and if it's backdoor, like, oh, I you were one of those. Yeah, That's yeah. Cool. Especially, especially if you're Hispanic. All the, his, mm. all the Latinas are like, oh, it doesn't count. Girl, it doesn't count. Like, I'm Puerto Rican. That's where the video comes from. It doesn't count. And you don't, you come on, like, it's fine. Like it's fine. So we were all just like, sure, a man. Like I like why? Why did I put myself through that? Because I really thought I was gonna go to heaven more. Because I was just like, we didn't know what lube was in high school. Why? Wow. A really horrific picture here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to tell the archdiocese that, like, I, like, totally was just like, yeah, because you guys said. We learned it. You guys said. Mm. Um, yeah. But I had yes, a bunch of fine, friends so. who were like, oh, yeah, I totally told the priest that, yeah. And he said it was fine. And I was just like, okay, well, I give up <laughs> at this point. Um, well, why would I tell him my I business? I really think my the business. thing that made me stop being Catholic was the fact that I, I missed Je- like Gemini's last show because I had to go to, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I stopped going to church. I made the choice and my parents were cool with it over Glee, which I actually have not seen because um, the priest, we got a new priest. And this is the same, around the same time that, like, Gianna, um, made her way into the, the name of the church, so I must have actually been a bit younger than 16, maybe it was, like, 14 or so, whenever, um, and we got a new name, and then the priest that was brand new was like, I'm gonna take a moment today during he the homily which is the one time when the priest gets to talk about personal shit and our old one would usually just um, talk about how the eagles had a really had a really good game last week and that he hopes that they have a really good game the next week that was what i was looking forward to this Go new birds. guy not from new jersey from somewhere else not an eagles fan um oh. and was like we need to talk about the demonic and satanic nature of the television show Glee, um, and uh, like God, <laughs> like really up in arms about how there's like a gay kid on Glee, and that it's like normalizing mm-hmm. um, homosexuality, and everyone in the church honestly is like kind of looking at each other, like, oh, I didn't know that we were supposed to like actually like care about this shit. I thought that maybe. You know, maybe we, we pretended to for the sake of church, but we don't actually, we don't do this in life. Um, but I was very upset, and I was like, I would be with that guy from Glee if I knew him. Yeah. I, it turns out I would not, I would not, but not, but not because of his sexuality, but because he is in a Glee club, no, and I don't want to yeah. hear, I don't want to hear anyone Her sing. Um, but I, I did quit. I quit going to church immediately after that, um, and so it's all thanks to the the television show Glee. Oh, yeah, I think I think <laughs> our priest also had something to fucking say about Glee. I know they let they gave out a pamphlet saying they had just they just released the His Dark Materials movie, 
And like those oh. are not children's books. I don't know why those are children's books. No, they're actually so mm. good for kids. They were my favorite favorite books as a as a child, but uh, <laughs> they were but my they're also really good for as yeah, adult if you haven't read them. They, so they gave yeah. us a pamphlet that was like Harry Potter and then, of course, and then uh, His Dark Materials and then I think the Serious Unfortunate Events movie. And like, I was just like, huh. what? It's kind of random. Yeah. I was got like, to do oh. with anything. I mean, I guess like, I guess like the Series of Unfortunate Events yeah, tells so. you to not trust well, adults. Um, so I think that would probably be the, the issue there. There's a lot of like other religion, because I got... There's a I, I grew up in the DMV area and there's a a large Mormon population and I got hyper fixated on Mormons because I thought their culture was crazy and I wanted to know literally everything in that like kind of like rubbing rubbernecker kind of way where like I'm like, okay, like I wanna know all like the gory details about why you think Jesus was born in fucking Missouri. Um <laughs> so like to them, like pretty much any media that teaches you to be like challenging to your to your parents or to adult figures is like a no go. Like Caillou <laughs> was fucking out because he that that little bald boy was throwing tantrums all the time and he didn't listen to his parents sometimes and that's no good. Yeah, Absolutely rats not. Also. Um, yeah. Rugrats also, yeah, because they always broke yeah. out of their little baby cage and they would go on little adventures. And that's not listening to your parents. That's not that's not good. So, bam, well, we absolutely an not. We got about the history of Kwanzaa and and um and and Hanukkah, but not a one about Christmas mm-hmm. because Catholics no. are one of the most depressed no. people in society um, after podcasters, but before people with brown eyes. Why would be a pressure of women with mm-hmm. giant fucking knockers? Mm-hmm. Like, what is this whole thing of like, we need to get rid of the implants because my implants make my outfits look too slutty? What the fuck do you mean? Therefore, having big boobs is below Catholicism, um, but it is above the oppression that people who have hair that's like kind of straight but also kind of curly <laughs> face. Uh, which is which is also it's also a big issue plaguing society, but it is it's all ranked um, and and having big mm-hmm. boobs comes before that. <laughs> um, you mentioned before um, how you um, signed your contract for your book in twenty nineteen, right? I pitched my book um, in twenty nineteen, and then I signed the contract in twenty twenty. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering if you could give, um, like, share some of the process of publishing um, for our audience. There's, I'm sure there's, like, a difference between publishing small versus big versus even just, like, self-publishing or, like, all wildly different worlds that are somehow put so all under the same I bubble. I love, so it's funny because if you're in an MFA and you're in the kind of shitty MFA that, that, like, thinks that, like, indie publishing is stupid, they'll be like, well, you need to sell five, exactly five books under, like, whatever university press, and that looks good on paper, so then you can be a professor. Whereas it's like, okay, but what if, like, I have a following and I, and I get published through indie press that pays me 50 fucking percent royalties, and people actually read it that means less to you okay fuck you and so now we're in the golden age of mm-hmm. indie publishing like one of the biggest lit mags out there right now is called taco bell quarterly they are fucking huge they are gigantic um and they're fucking called taco bell quarterly um <laughs> like they're amazing <laughs> um i my first book is published through big Luck, which is a very small indie press and 
Um, it was published as a dosy do So you flip, you flip the book, and Emily O'Neill's scream chat book is on the other side, which is very cool because Final Girl was inspired by Emily O'Neill's scream chat book. So them being published together was very fucking dope. Um, but um, so that all came about because there was an open reading period, like submit your books as open reading period. So you don't always have to submit to contests. I think that's a misconception people have. Um, like you'll see a chat by contest or a full length contest. Um, you can also submit to an open reading period. So that's how the first one happened. Um, and that one came out in 2019. And then um, I've always loved Clash. And like Clash has never put out a chapbook before. A chapbook is like a collection of poetry that's under 60 pages, I think under 50 pages. And so I just DM'd them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, do you guys do like small collections of poetry? And they were like, we've never done them before, but you should email us anyway because we like your work. And I was like, okay. Um, so I really just hit them up and was like, sup. Um, I don't always recommend being like, sup, but like sometimes you can kind of just confidently like walk in there like you're like a man who owns a startup and just be like, hey, like here's what I have. So, and like their their artwork on their fucking books is just so amazing. So I knew I wanted to hopefully um, work with them. And so the book, when I first submitted it, was like 20 pages. It was like, not like and so now there's like i feel like 40 poems like i doubled it um and um so first it was like 20 very catholic poems and then in like the tarot card poems and like blah, blah, blah. and then i expanded it like i signed my contract over the pandemic got fucked over by more men over the pandemic wrote more poems about men during the pandemic and then um yeah, and then I had full creative say. What's really funny about Catholicism being a trend is that <laughs> when we were going over, um, like, the concept art for my book, I was, like, sending, like, Catholic vaporwave, like, mm-hmm. like, and I was like, I want a Catholic vaporwave color, like, cover. Like, can we do this? Can it look like Simpsons wave, but with the saint on it? Can we get a holy Sansa up in here? And no, I was just like, perfect because i wanted a pink book like i mm-hmm. but what if the mm-hmm. pages are pink and i was like the pages what does that mean and like it ended up being like a dollar more to have pink fucking pages and it was their first so it the book could have so come good. out the book the book could have come out in 2021 right but they had just signed with the distributor so the book could be on shelves and stuff and you can buy it irl at a bookstore so it was like either you wait and, and or you can have it like you can ha- like you know whatever so i waited and then added more poems in like the meantime um i love indie publishing because i get i get one i get a 50 50 royalty split too it's not about like it's not about the like i don't know, like it's not about like how it looks on paper it's about like getting people to fucking read your fucking word uh, like in, mm-hmm. in the show shorzy they say like it's all about getting butts and seeds it's all of, like it's all about getting eyes on your fucking work. Like, what is the fucking point of publishing a book if like five people are gonna fucking read it? Like, like I want my cute little prayer booky looking thing to like make its way to like uh, like around the fucking globe. Which it's weird that like India fucking carries my book. Who the fuck in India is reading my book? Like, I hope I hope someone had an amazing day of reading my book. <laughs> um, but I really lucked out with class. Um, and I went, they're very non-traditional and I went very non-traditional in hitting them up. Um, whereas with like bigger, sometimes with other presses, like you have to sell a certain amount of books 
before they even let you have any royalties at all, which I think is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can bank on that sometimes when it's like, oh, you're already this big name, where it's just like, I'm just a little girl, a little cult following on the internet. And the fact that so many people have this book in their hands is like fucking weird. Because like I had um, posted a whole thing, like I was like, I think my book's gonna be dead on arrival. Like I don't think anyone's gonna care. Like my friends don't care. And then like this whole thing, all of a sudden, and I'm like, huh? Like like it's like oh, it's resonating. Why? Like mm-hmm. I was told that I literally actually Joey McMahon. If you can hear this right now, I don't know where the fuck you're now. But remember in uh, when I was about to graduate from UT and you were like, no one's going to, you're not going to get into an OVA program because no one wants to read confessional poetry from a woman. No one's to read a woman writing about sex. Okay, well, look at me right the fuck now. What are you doing currently, sir? Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, you're, still watching, you're still watching my Instagram story yeah. every day. So, I mean... So I, guess, so I feel like you have some idea of what's going on. But I, I was told, just tag him when this episode comes out um, and tell him to listen yeah. all the way through uh, to to this part. Um, also, it, it is the official stance of Big Soy Naturals that you do not um, get an MFA or that you do not go to grad school. We do not recommend yeah, it. Don't. Um, in fact, you should avoid you should avoid it all, at all costs. If it's free. If it's you want to apply and it's free, okay. But like, I can't imagine paying for the trauma I had. Honestly, even sometimes if it's free, because oh. then you have to. You That'd have be a to whole spend, other level of trauma on top of like, it. Two the years economical or trauma at all. With people in an MFA program or with like, other grad students, and I think you actually need to pay me to to do that. Um, I do not mm-hmm. do not recommend it. I deserve a paycheck. It's crazy that they recommend to you to not make money in order to become a professor. That, like, you simply should be, should live with scraps and be only recognized by five people at the most. I'm making $16,000 dollars a year. $16,000 a year. Ugh. Ew. Like, it's just, it's, it's really ghoulish to me. Um to be to be doing um to people i think grad school programs Mm -hmm. truly have some of the most insidious like little uh both pay scales bylaws um like labor cheats and loopholes that they do it's so nasty um you talked a lot about taco bell quarterly and clash and like the the people that um like inspire you within that space um are there any other pieces of art about like religious trauma or like particularly like female narratives within like the religious and cultural identity that do you recommend for anyone who has read sad sexy catholic and would like something else if i were to do like if you like sad sexy catholic you should read this um i recommend bimbo land by aaron taylor uh which blows my book out of the fucking water honestly like she is so fucking amazing. Um, and then Elle Nash has a novel, a novella called Animals Eat Each Other, um, which is also a pink book. Um, but is like just that book is so I don't it's it's like I never want to tell anybody what it's about. I just want them to fucking read it because it does it does things with fiction that I didn't know that you could do. It does things with writing that I didn't know you could do in general. Um, she's just so fucking incredible. She has a book, a collection 
um, her short stories with Clash called Nudes, which is also very fucking awesome and very, like, female in the digital age, early 2000s kind of thing. Um, also, if you can find... Well, actually, Pete Wentz's The Boy with the Thorn in His Side is uploaded and it's entirely on a blog somewhere. But if you can... If you want to pay $1,000 to get a fucking copy with all the artwork of it... I mean, I'm not giving up my copy because it's, like, the last copy in, like, the world. Um, but um, it, Pete does things in that fucking book that I also had no idea you could do. Like, I didn't know in the middle of a story you can put in parentheses, see also, tell my mom, I'm sorry, I just don't want to wake up anymore. Like, in the middle of you just saying shit. Like, um, so I fucking love it. It's like, it's like women. And I'm like, but Pete once said this thing one time. Um. no i mean i think i think all of it is um first of all it's like all part of your experience right but like also i think that um you can have art that comes from bigger people and men that i think can be um portrayals that resonate with you um it's rare but it happens like um, speaking of Pete Wentz and men, what is your stance on Catholic U.S. President Joe Biden? <laughs> How do you feel about him? Would you like him no, to be the president? I mean, I'm not, like, super stoked on our current administration, but it's better than the last one we had. So, if you could get rid of Fallout Boy... And therefore not have, well, actually, if you get Joe Biden, uh-huh. if you get rid of Joe Biden, maybe there'd be someone else in office who's better than the last guy, but then we would have no fallout it's boy. It's true. They, is that, is that he, his parents a sacrifice you would be willing to make? campaigning for Joe Biden, like, I think, right? In I the, oh, the early I wouldn't be yes. you know, Like, my, my parents. Great tattoo from the book. Like, I wanted it since I was mm-hmm. twelve, and I got it when I graduated at twenty-two. Because like I was like, I'm going to the MFA program, and, and I'm this rules. is symbolic of me beginning a new chapter. But then again, I also have Ed fucking Sheeran lyrics under my tit, so it's like. But I don't think I would. A lot of my life, like, would not be like, especially if you like check out like brand new, and you like like. Like, if I hadn't found Brand New and Lana Del Rey at the same time in undergrad, I also, I also would not be here. <laughs> My handle would not be Motel Siren, because Motel Siren is a Lana Del Rey mm-hmm. stan account for her name. Uh, oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, had to, I had to think during the 2020 elections, like, how serious am I about the beliefs that I have? Because if I could get rid of Joe Biden in this very moment... I would not, because I, I have to keep Pete Wentz. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that that's the, the like, morally correct choice, um, but it is, it's the one that I would make. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we, I was not given that choice by, like, God, so it's not my fault that Joe Biden is still around. But if if I was given that power, there was a there was a Reddit thread one time that was like, if you had to get rid of Jesse Lacey or Pete Wentz, who would you get rid of? And I was like, I would have to get rid of Jesse because I didn't find Jesse until college. And like, I would I be a shittier poet without brand new? Yes. Would I be? Would I live? Yeah. 
so like whereas like Pete is like the foundation of like my work I feel like and I guess you could throw Ryan Ross's cheeky ass like into it too but there was a memory I remember having a dilemma in like eighth grade being like wait a minute oh my god like I'm listening to the demos I'm like the panic demos that they recorded like for Pete like wait a minute is Ryan Ross at 18 years old a better writer than 27 year old Pete Wentz like I feel terrible right now and um, God, imagine writing that. Imagine peeking at nineteen and then fucking off into the nethers and just living. A- My invader Zim belt would have just <laughs> <laughs> would have just lost all cultural I meaning met to me. The voice, of the, <laughs> one of the almighty tallest from Invader Zim, and it was wonderful. It's like, can you do? Can you do a line? Can you do? Uh, can you say something? You, oh, oh I'm star studded. That's better than when I met the game dev of Earthworm Jim in like 2017. Oh Oh my god, but I could also put like what I would if we had to give up like Joe Biden or like Invader Zim, I would give up Joe in a fucking heartbeat. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. Yeah, if those are our two choices, then the answer is. I'm picking between. Uh, it, it's um, Gur 2024 for me, baby. Gur, like, what's making in the soap? I made it more. I think. <laughs> I think Gur 2024. those were all the questions yeah. that we had. Um, were there any other things that you wanted to you wanted to share with us? Um, who gaps matter? Before we go, okay. I don't. I was bullied severely in high True. school for having a boob gap. Like they would write, like Lauren has the Grand Canyon between her tits and stuff. And then you become an adult woman, and men are like, "Holy fucking shit, my dick fits right there." And I'm like, "Thank you." <laughs> I feel so strongly about this. Thank you for bringing this up. Thank you for speaking for our community of boob gap havers. Because I w- I was also severely bullied for my boob gap. Yeah, I, I didn't have like cleavage for a while, um, like because I had the big, just a big gap, and they were like, they always made fun of me. I'm so I'm so happy you spoke about this. Thank you. I didn't even realize that was something I needed <laughs> until this moment. Like, I don't know anyone else who has that experience? That's fucking great. I look awesome. Um, gaps matter. Little booties matter. Okay, some of us are shaped like AirPods and like and Samsung refrigerators and um like and also like little German boys and. You know, I didn't ask to be this way. Okay, that's another reason why I stopped believing God as a teenager. If God loved me so damn much, why did he make me shaped like a Samsung refrigerator? <laughs> I, you know, I thought that maybe you would oh, I let us know where we could get the other book. That was my last book. But I think, okay. I think this is cooler. No. Okay. No, this is, I think that, like, raising awareness I about mean, yes. difficult the issues a- the that people face are is but, um, what we're all about. Get, actually, Final Girl is completely sold out mm-hmm. of print, which is kind of cool, but um, you can get the PDF, like a PDF copy. Um, oh. You just go to, like, 
if you go to twitter.com slash motel siren or motel siren on instagram or like lauren melisi.com uh there's a link to buy the pdf and it's like literally five bucks you give me 10 bucks if you want but like whatever just i just want people to have it so um so you can get final girl there you can get Satisfactory Catholic from the Clash Books website, but also from Amazon. But also, you can ask your local indie bookstore if they want to stock it, which is cool. Um, you can also get it from Rinta Noble. If you're in the UK, you can get it from Foils or Waterstone, which is weird to me still. If you live in DC, you can go to like Politics and Prose, and which is a conservative ass bookstore, and <laughs> pick up a copy of Satisfactory Catholic there because apparently it's yeah. I lived I lived right next to Politics and Prose when I lived in the DMV area, um, which is right next to Comet Pizza, which is the place that yeah. um, Pizzagate was about. Um, so pick up a copy of Sad Sexy Catholic, make your way to Comet Pizza, <laughs> purchase, ask them for the most Catholic pizza slice that they have, which maybe I, I'm not sure what that would be. Maybe a margarita pizza, because it's got three different things on it, just like the Holy Trinity. And then when you're done doing that, buy a copy of Final Girl and write to your senator about raising awareness for people that have a gap between their boobs. And I think that's it. Thank you, Pay Pigs and Prayer Warriors. We will see you next week. Thank you, Lauren, for being here. Um, I think... That's it. Bye. Bye. Visions to the
Is it too coward Begging for the golden sun 